How did you overcome that self-doubt? How did you break through that? I think the way to go about it is not to let it stop you. So trying to do something really small, starting small, look at small wins, what you can do um, in order to gain momentum, and then build from there. Hi, this is Robbie Kelman-Baxter, author of The Membership Economy, and you're listening to my friend, Ash Roy, on ProductiveInsights.com. Welcome to the Productive Insights Podcast, where you can learn how to systemize, automate, and scale your business via the internet. To access previous episodes and useful productivity tips, go to ProductiveInsights.com. Now, here's your host. Ash Roy. Hello there. This is Ash Roy, the founder of ProductiveInsights.com with a quick message for you. If you'd like to grow your business profitably and fast, head over to GetMeToDone.com where you can learn more about the Productive Insights membership program, which is designed to help you grow your business profitably and fast. We help you get clear on your target audience and create an irresistible offer around the specific problem that you solve for your audience. Once we've established an offer that's a good fit for your audience, we then help you to scale your business using marketing automation, which means you spend less time working and more time enjoying the fruits of your labor. If you'd like to learn more, head over to getmetodone.com right now and take that first step towards your business success and your time freedom. I hope you enjoy this episode and get a ton of value from it. I look forward to seeing you at getmetodone.com. Today, I'm delighted to introduce you to my dear friend and serial entrepreneur. She's already built a consulting business, which she's in the process of selling for eight figures as we speak. She's also in the process of building another business in the design space, which has hit annual revenues of six figures within its first year. I'm really pleased to invite the founder of Craft Street Design Co., Prathima Aravabhumi. Welcome, Prathima. Thank you so much, Ash, for that very kind introduction. I'm really excited to be here. Pleasure's all mine. Uh, you're most welcome. It's a pleasure to have you. So, Prathima, could you talk to us about how you built your first business through to evaluation of eight figures? What lessons can business owners take from that? And what key things in that journey helped you to get to that high valuation? There are a couple of different things that happened at that time. Um, I think... I started the business while I was still working at Apple a little while ago. Um, you know, that kind of helped me in running the business and also getting credibility to get started because my very first client actually came from one of my managers referring the client to me. And that's how oh. I got started. I mean, I told, I was, I just went to him, told him I wanted to quit. And he says, well, what are you doing? And then, you know, I tell him, okay, I want to start business consulting. Um, I really don't know to who, but I think the tech companies, that's how I spoke to him. And he said, well, one of my friends, you know, is around the Bay Area and he might be interested in talking to you. I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> <laughs> that's how I got started. So I had no idea about what I was doing. Right. But um, there were many key things in order to grow that. I mean, I'm a fast learner. I start to. Uh, understand the business, speak to some of these, you know, referrals that I got and understood their basic problems and then grew the business from there. Okay. And I can definitely vouch for the fact that you're a fast learner. We speak every second week and absolutely you are. But there's something else about you, which I think 
has really helped you to build such successful businesses, and that is the fact that you are very analytical and very clear in your thinking. So can you talk to us a bit more about that and how that helped you build this eight-figure business? I think I think the analytical side that you're talking to about, I mean, bringing up is, is a good point because I do break down every, uh, not only uh, every problem, but pretty much every situation into its fundamentals. Mm-hmm. So I kind of, it's almost like solving a math problem while we were, you know, kids. But um, basically breaking it down to understanding the problem in its simplest terms and trying to find solutions for it. So, for example, while, you know, that first client that I got, I had no idea what I was doing. And uh, he was telling me all these problems about how his lead generation was not working and how some of, um, you know, it's not accurate details. The data was not clear on his business side. So I had to declutter the whole process and kind of think about okay what what should I improve really in order to um, you know give the biggest bang for the buck Mm -hmm. so I had to break it down and kind of we found that the lead generation was the biggest problem in that particular situation and we worked on that but the point is uh, I think breaking anything down even life situations that's what has helped me so far okay so one takeaway that our listeners can take away <laughs> is break things down and declutter their minds as well as their lives to be able to focus on the essentials. Would you agree? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, along with another little thing that I would like to add to it is basically sticking your neck out there. Because when I got that first client and I had no idea what I was doing and they were willing to pay me in like five figures, I'm like, oh, my God, I've, I mean, I cannot deliver the value they're asking me to. I mean, yep. you have all this self-doubt, so you really need to stick your neck out and then deliver on it. Right. And we speak every fortnight and we've spoken about this a few times. How did you overcome that self-doubt? How did you break through that? I don't think you can ever break through it. Okay. (laughs) I I think that I still have it depending on what you're trying to do. But Mm -hmm. um, I think the way to go about it is not to let it stop you. So trying to do something really small Mm-hmm. Starting small, look at small wins, what you can do um, in order to gain momentum, mm-hmm. and then build from there. So in my case, I got that first client, but I didn't start by telling him, you know, that I could just reform his business. I told him, right. you know, very specifically, this is what I can do, these 10 steps I can do, and we can talk after that. So take it slow and, you know, build steps in order to um, you know, get to where you want to, but it's, I don't think you can ever overcome it. <laughs> okay. But when you talk to your client about those 10 steps, did you talk about results as well? Or did you just say, these are the 10 things I'm going to do and the results are kind of whatever happens, happens? Or did you say, these are the results I believe that will get you? No, um, I, I specifically told them the steps that I was going to do and also the results that were going to be associated with it. Um, all 10 did not come through when mm-hmm. I promised something, you know, about I think seven or eight came through, the other two didn't. But that's okay because um, it's not about under-delivering at that point because some tactics and strategies work and sometimes they don't. And that's yeah. okay. Just set the expectation Um, But yeah, I mean, promising the results, I think, is an important part of 
doing what you need to do. And in terms of results, do you talk about monetary results or how do you measure those results? Or when you discuss it with your clients, how do you, what do you say the results are going to be in what form? Again, that depends on the client and the problem that they're having. Um, if we are looking at, you know, business profitability or, you know, something specific about their systems not working, then a monetary value or putting a number on it is the best way to do it. But then there are times when you can say things like, okay, the number of leads you're bringing in could be different because that's what you're working on. And that doesn't directly tie to revenue because, you know, they could be not converting the leads as at a very high rate. So your efforts still may not convert into a significant sales number, but you can still talk about um, the lead numbers and how your efforts are, you know, pick a specific metric, I would say, but it's not necessarily always revenue. Mm-hmm. It depends. I think it's customized to, you know, the person and the client that you're picking. So just reading between the lines here, I think something that you also are doing with your customers or your clients is solving problems. And this is a recurring theme I've seen with some of the most successful entrepreneurs I've interviewed. I talked to Ed O'Keefe earlier on. He has a $50 million business annually. There's Buck Rizvi, there's James Shramko. And all of these guys talk about solving a problem and they understand the problem and then they solve the customer's problem. Absolutely. I completely agree with that. Um, Solving, not only solving a problem, solving the most important problem is the most, uh, you know, beneficial uh, to you and to them both ways, uh, monetarily and otherwise. I think the biggest challenge is identifying that specific impactful problem that means something to them and the business. And, And I think that's the biggest challenge in getting to where we are. Now, you and I, Prathima, were recently speaking about the fact that there's a common theme out there where a lot of people believe that selling is sleazy. It's quite common for people to have a block around selling because they see selling as unethical. And approaching a client with an attitude that I am here to solve their problem and not trying to sell to them is a great way to get around that, isn't it? I think it's a it's a perfect way to get around it because you're providing value. In your mind, you've got to believe that you're providing value. Otherwise, you cannot sell or even, you know, offer a service to anybody, right? Like um, if you don't offer value in, in the form of product or service, you just cannot approach anybody to say, okay, you know, you got to pay me 10 bucks or whatever amount at that point um, to give the value. So understanding what value you provide and and putting that on the table is basically what selling is. It it doesn't have to be all that sleazy, you know. Tactics are great. um, And I think working on selling strategies is great. But I don't think you need to get into nitty-gritty of all that stuff, especially when you're getting started. All you need to do is just offer value, find what they perceive as value, and then offer that value. And that's all you need to do. You know, just in the previous podcast, I spoke to Carl Tully and we talked very much about these same principles. I mean, the the theme of that podcast episode was how to 10x your pricing. But again, it came back to value. It came back to using a value-based pricing approach. So rather than, say, going with this is what it costs me to deliver the service or the solution and then adding some kind of a margin on that, instead, look at the value you're delivering to the customer, then develop your pricing around that because ultimately the customer 
customer or the client doesn't really care about how much it's costing you in terms of time or money or whatever. What they care about is the result that you deliver them, the value that you deliver to them. Absolutely, absolutely. Because um, as you said, I mean, pricing in itself is a very deep subject to talk about. But um, cost of goods is one way of pricing something. But when it comes to businesses and services, I don't think that's the appropriate way to price it necessarily. Um, you, it'll probably be more lucrative in pretty much all businesses. I would say freelancing, designers. I mean, any type of service business to actually price it based on the value because it's mutually beneficial and it's more lucrative that way anyway. So I would suggest that that's what you do, especially in a service-based business. But for product, again, that differs depending on you know type of product because sometimes the value is not perceived right away. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we could go into a whole another discussion about pricing strategies, but, um, but yes. And there are other factors with producing products, especially f- physical products. You know, you've got fixed costs and you've got variable costs and you've got to consider your fixed costs and whether they're going to be prohibitively high when you start manufacturing your product and so on. So, yeah, I agree. It's a, it's a very deep topic. Okay, let's talk a bit about your current venture, which is CraftStreetDesignCo.com. Could you tell us a bit about it and what made you decide to start this business? What made you decide to sell your consulting business and move into this? There are a couple of things. I I think for me, when I started the consulting business, the challenge was to make money outside corporate. I think that's all I was focused on because until then, till about 2006, I was really a stay-at-home mom who has no experience whatsoever. Then I went into technology field, um, working you know for a while in there and worked at different clients, but I had no idea how to make money outside. So I knew nothing about business. So the consulting was a great step for me to to get into the whole business and kind of make money outside of corporate, get freedom outside the nine to five job and uh, get my feet wet. But um, after a while, I realized that consulting is not where um, I find meaningful work. To me, it was mostly, um, you know, business to business consulting. I was helping them, other people make money. I was delivering value. It is getting me quite a bit of money. I was quite happy with that. But there's something, the purpose and, you know, what you want to do and achieve in life is kind of, it didn't feel like it was satisfying me. So mm-hmm. that's why I decided to um, sell the business and kind of get into something more meaningful and that's where Craft Street Design Company came into play because it was based on um, a personal life situation for me. I had many adverse- adversities and words have played you know, a big role in my life all through. And especially for you know, a little while ago when I was uh, contemplating suicide and I saw this poster on the kitchen wall and... Um, that's what tipped me off to kind of stop myself, catch myself into what I was thinking. And I got out of the situation. I got out of the bad marriage and all of the, you know, all of the other personal situations. And I turned my life around. I achieved many of my goals. And I've always used, you know, many of the posters all around me all the time. So I figured, you know, if I am finding so much value from this, others must be too. And I started researching the power of words and other people looking at positive words you know why some words have more effect as compared to the others I started looking into it and there's 
you know, a lot of science that actually proves that stuff. And I said, you know what, I've got to do this. This is something that's really pulling me. This is, it means something to me and I truly believe in it. So I've got to start it. And that's how I started the company. I actually right. started the company this year and it's been great. It certainly has. And I was talking to you when you started the company and it's amazing how quickly you've progressed. Now, our audience is probably dying to know what these words mean and what the, this product is that you produce because they don't really know what exactly CraftStreetDesignCo.com does. So could you share a little bit about your offering that CraftStreetDesignCo creates? Yeah, sure. Um, it, we basically put science behind words and turn it into art that inspires everybody. Um, so we work on picking the right words that actually motivate and inspire based on research. And then we put those words on paper, we, we design it, it takes about 10 to 80 hours for each design to be produced. Um, then after that, we print it and sell it as prints and posters um, for people in offices, to moms, to decorate the nursery, sometimes it is to the entrepreneurs. Basically, anybody who's looking for motivation in their lives for their different goals. And that's what we really make. And within a period of about 11 months, you've hit six figures already annually. It's, it's not even 11 months. I got a, a, we started March 2015. That's right. You did, yep. And um, we hit six figures end of October. Wow. October 22nd, we hit the six figures. So Well done, Prathima. So yeah, in about seven months. So it's, it's, been, it's been great. I'm proud of you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> okay. Can you talk through a few of your personal qualities that you think have made you so successful as an entrepreneur? One clearly is your ability to be objective and analyze a situation, to draw learnings out of it, you know, you were in a difficult situation and you saw this sign on a fridge and then you realized it made a big impact on you and you turned it into a product. But there's a lot of scientific analysis that goes into each of these products that you create and there's a lot of research that goes into it. So that clearly is one of your personal qualities that's helped you become so successful. But could you talk about some other ones? Um, well, I would say I think the most important quality, um, another one that I constantly tell everybody around me, anybody who has me for advice, but basically, um, you know, introspection and self-awareness as to what you're doing, when you're doing and how you're doing it. Am I an expert at it? No, I mean, by no means I'm not an expert, but um, I try my best to do what I can and to be aware of what I'm doing. Um, but it also comes with um, a negative side to it because when you introspect so much, you always tend to have too much self-doubt, right? Like um, you're always questioning yourself if you're trying to, um, you know, introspect because you're trying to see if you were at fault or if you could have done it better or you kill yourself with perfection. You do all of that stuff. But I think there's a balance and I and I think the balance is what helps you go forward. I don't know what self-doubt you're talking about because I've never experienced self-doubt in my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's look, just I, me, man. It's just me. It's just you, yeah. Look, I've been practicing mindfulness on and off for many years and I definitely think that it does help. And yes, it does cause you to second-guess yourself a bit as well. But overall, I think the benefits outweigh the costs. I think... It is definitely worth being aware of yourself. And as you said to me the other day when we were talking of the assumptions that are 
operating in your day-to-day life. You know, like there are these underlying assumptions. From one good example is my notions or my prejudices around selling that I didn't know existed until I practiced a sense of, of a form of awareness, which is mindfulness practice, and became a bit more aware of the underlying mechanics beneath my thinking that helped to uncover self-limiting or self-defeating thought patterns. Yeah, and we we all have them. It's, I mean, it. I'm no different. I go through that every day. I beat myself up, um, but I think it should. It you shouldn't just let it stop you. That's all there is to it. Um, feeling them, I think that's normal. Everybody does it. So yeah, okay, that's a good point. It's not about not feeling them. It's about your reaction to those feelings. It's about what you do in response to those feelings. Good point. Okay, so what are the most common challenges you've noticed that people face when getting started with entrepreneurship or starting their businesses? And what's worked best in terms of overcoming them? I think, um, okay, so to answer that question, we, we'll have to look at different types of businesses and, and different stages of business. But mm-hmm. um, for the most part, the, one, the ones that I'm seeing um, around me are basically the ones in the startup stage that are finding it difficult and um even though you know there are different ones at different stages at the very startup stage i think there are two main challenges one is finding the product market fit um finding a product that people actually want to buy and want to pay for it um finding a product that that's meaningful to you, that brings new customers to you, that people are excited enough to to buy. I think finding that fit is the toughest one in the beginning because, you know, it's a it's a process of trial and error. You you start with one thing, then you gotta be nimble enough to look at your mission and kind of not change your mission, but kind of change your product to fit the, what the audience is looking for. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the Hard. It, it's hard to be that flexible because I think for the most pe- most people, um, they they think about a product. They're either uh, a craft craftsperson or they can make this stuff really well. So they they are stuck in the thinking um, based on their abilities. Sometimes it's based on what they can acquire. Um, sometimes you know um, the product is cheap enough to acquire, so they can put you know, smaller money in investing the business, they're kind of making assumptions and and being stuck by their own um, skills and abilities instead of if you just take out your skills and abilities out of the equation and kind of look at, okay, what does, what do these people really want? You know, what, what, if I was them, what would I want? If you think about it like that, you can acquire the skills to produce the product or you can you know figure figure the fulfillment part of it separately mixing the two and trying to find a product that does both in the beginning is is i think a, a big issue for a lot of people but once you get past that you will have a reasonable business but again to grow you have you know a whole bunch of growth strategies that you've got to work on but um but i think this is the first hurdle to get over um, you know, especially in the online world with so many choices available. Um, mm. Well, that is 
you know, both online and offline. It's not necessarily online, but but I think you know, focusing on on the product market fit. That's what I would say is the biggest problem. Okay, and it sounds like it is important for the entrepreneur not to be too inwardly focused, but to look at what the market needs and be a bit more outwardly focused. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Don't yeah, don't look at don't look at what you can produce. Don't look at um, take take you out of the equation, just like you said. Just take yourself out of the equation and look at if these people, you know, they may want um, a gold nugget. I don't know, but the point mm. is, and it may sound unreasonable to you, but the point is to find what those items are and see which ones you can fulfill. That's where that's where you know a business exists. Mm. Um, otherwise, you have no business. Um, if they want something else and you can produce something you know, that does, that they don't want, then you don't really have a business. You just have a hobby. And, and I have had many hobbies before. <laughs> <laughs> so tying back to the previous part of our discussion, solve a problem that the client sees is a problem, not what you see is the client's problem. And just focus on delivering to the client what they want. Agreed. Absolutely. You nailed it. Okay, so let's talk about actions. We've talked about quite a few things in this episode, which were really valuable. Let's talk about actions that a listener can take based on those key principles. So one of the actions is understand the problem that your client is trying to solve and solve the problem for them. Make sure that you can do it in a way that is profitable. Make sure that you can build the skills to do it if you don't already have them. Be focused on the client, not on yourself, uh, but at the same time, be aware of your own underlying thought processes or your limiting beliefs. And that's where the mindfulness or the self-awareness piece comes in, but not so much in terms of delivering the product. Be self-aware about how you approach your business and your life. But when it comes to product and market fit, look outside, look at the, look at the world from your client's perspective, put yourself in your client's shoes. Any other actions that a listener should take? I think you've got it perfectly summarized. Oh, God, I didn't know I said all that, but great. <laughs> you've okay. got it covered. So. Okay, cool. Pretty impressive. I wasn't even taking notes. So, okay. <laughs> okay, so Pratima, what are the books that have had the biggest impact on you and why? I actually read a lot. Mm-hmm. And that's a tough question for me because now I have to prioritize <laughs> <laughs> as to which ones are the most important. You but, read like a um, book a week or something, don't you? Or a book a day? Yeah, I mean, no, 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 not book a day. I read about a book a week, uh, yeah. but that's still quite a bit more than what most people read. So mm-hmm. it's it seems like a lot. It's not. It's just a few pages, you know, every day, and it gets done. But. Um, but talking about the books that I, I, I mean, had a lot of impact on me when I started in the consulting business, um, there's a book called How I Raised Myself from Failure to Success in Selling. It's by Frank Betker. Okay. And this book, this book, it's very, um, you know, story-like. It's not dry. It's not uh, all about selling strategies. Um but it explains the very basic steps of selling. Okay. Um, in fact, uh, to consumer selling and and more of face-to-face selling. It's not a, a online selling, but it gave me a lot of insight into human nature 
and um, what we all find important. And I thought that book was um, great when I read it. Um, I still go back and refer to it all the time. But there's another one that I um, love. It's called Making Habits and Breaking Habits by Jeremy Dean. Okay. Um, that's a book I have read um, while I was on my weight loss journey, and it has helped me create new habits. Even though I had one part of my life taken care of, I was failing on my in, um, eating habits and health. Um, so at that time, making those habits was was very insightful. Uh, it, it's a different way of thinking about habits. And to me, it has had quite a bit of an impact because I've lost 50 pounds now. So it did. Yeah, it clearly has. <laughs> I've, I'm watching you shrinking every day and I'm starting to wonder when you're going to become two-dimensional. <laughs> well, that's great. So I, I mean, I think you should read it. They're both really good books. Okay, cool. Well, thank you for that. And how does the audience find out more about you if they'd like to know more about you and your business? They can go to craftstreetdesignco.com. I know that's a really long name to spell, but I'm sure you can put it in your show notes. But yep. they can also reach me on Twitter. My personal Twitter handle is at uh, Prattfall, P-R-A-T-F-A-L. Okay. That's one L, okay? That's one L, yes. Cool. And is there anything else you would like to share before we say goodbye? Oh, thank you so much for having me, Ash. It's a pleasure being on your podcast. Pleasure to have you. Okay, so I hope you enjoyed that conversation with my friend Prathima Aravabhumi. I really enjoyed talking to her. I always do. The main takeaway for me from that episode was be introspective and question your assumptions in your daily life. But when you're dealing with your customers or clients, put yourself in your client's shoes and see the world from their perspective. So introspection works really well when you're trying to understand yourself and the assumptions with which you're operating. What works really well when you're creating products for your customers and dealing with your customers is to focus on your customer's perspective and their perception of the world. Some podcast episodes that you might find relevant if you enjoyed this podcast, episode number 52 with Kyle Tully on how to 10x your pricing. It's a lot about sales and understanding your customer. Episode number 18 with Buck Rizvi, where we talked about how to build an eight-figure business with systems and a strong business culture. Episode number 22 with Ed O'Keefe called $50 million and counting. And episode number 48 with John Logar on how to use high-value consulting strategies to grow your business. As always, I'll post all the related links, including the links to these related episodes, in the show notes. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Productive Insights Podcast. You can find all the links in the show notes below this episode on ProductiveInsights.com. You can also ask questions in the comment section that Ash personally answers. How can Ash help you today?